Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast. The Jets right now going through their offseason program. There are no TAs. EA and I, basically what we're going to do is kind of give a snapshot of what's been going on before minicamp hits. And then there's kind of a hiatus, a one-month break for players and coaches to do what they want and rest up, recover, recharge, and also continue to work out before training camp. Is today the day when it is officially 100 days from the beginning of the 2021 NFL season? It is. It is. The first game, which is what, Bucks cowboys Thursday night special, right? Down yes. in Tampa? Right. So You know, the Buccaneers are coming here this year to face the Jets, and they have never beaten the Jets on the road. I did not know that. I also know that the Jets have never beaten the Eagles, but they'll have an opportunity to do so this season. But with that being said, OTAs is like, it's an interesting time because it's the first grasp of football for the fans, especially the new players on each team. And like for the Jets, of course, that starts with Zach Wilson just because of the nature of the position he plays. Think about the free agent additions, but it's twofold. One, it's a voluntary workout. And two, players are not in pads, so there's only so much that you can really put into these workouts. Yeah, but the great thing if you're Robert Sala and you're Joe Douglas is that you've had more than 80 players participating here early in OTAs. You have 10 sessions in all. Three or four now are open to the media. There is uh, two this week, actually, that are going to be open to the media. So you want to see players uh, contributing or participating while this is not mandatory. Mandatory minicamp is going to come at the end of this day, at the end of the spring here. Well, I guess we're closing in on summer. But if you're the Jets, you're encouraged by guys coming out and taking advantage of their opportunities beyond the field. Because let's face it, you got a new head coach. You got new systems on both sides of the football. You have a really a big time infusion of talent on both sides of the ball, but there's a lot of new here. So as much field time as you can take advantage of here in the spring, it figures to help you come September, October and beyond. And the attendance in the voluntary workouts, I think has been outstanding. I mean, I know Robert Sala said that the Jets had over 80 players here in Florham Park. I mean, there's only 90 on the roster right now. And I feel like that is not the norm in the NFL right now. I mean, granted, I don't know the numbers for all 31 other teams, but it seems like the Jets are on the higher end of attendance than most. I think there are a lot of teams who probably have numbers in a similar range, but I think what you're hearing from players when they do get the opportunity to speak of Robert Sala is they love the guy, they love the culture that he's instilling, and they want to be part of it. Yeah, I think that you can also feel it on the field. I mean, there is definitely an energy. And, you know, some might say that's just because it's spring and guys miss playing ball. But I really feel like in the few amount of times that we've been out at practice so far, that the pace has been there, the energy's been up. And I think that a lot of guys are really eager to get after it. And, you know, I just want to focus on Zach Wilson for a minute. And he's a good example of a guy that, one, learning a lot right now because he's learning a new offense, even though it does have its similarities to what he ran at BYU. And for all intents and purposes, we're recording this at the beginning of June, I would say that he's looked good and doesn't look like he's lost in the playbook. No, and the Jets continue to say they've been almost wowed by his mental horsepower. Michael Fleur was referring to it the other day is that you can't, 
keep him away. He wants more. And to his credit, Wilson, who's 21 years old, talks about this being a process and that he has to get protections right and alignments and executions. And then you have to read the defense. But as far as what we've seen on the field in this very small sample size, he's a tremendous athlete. He's very accurate with the football. And the ball has not hit the ground a lot. Now, these guys are not out there with pads on. Nobody's hitting him. Um, but so far... And there's uh, not like a true rush either. I think that's important. Right, right. But with that being said, it's not like he's holding on to the football. It's not like he's completing the pass five seconds after he takes that snap. He's letting the ball come out. It's coming out quickly. We've talked about his arm angles for months. He can do that from different arm angles, but you know, he can sit up there in the pocket and just let it loose. And we've seen a number of times, I think early here uh, throughout OTAs, and we've only been out there a couple times, is that he's been very good working the middle of the field, mm-hmm. the seams. And then we've heard about the back shoulder prowess throughout his days at BYU. Well, we were out there on the field today and it seems like every day at practice he'll throw a back shoulder and you're like, well, but there you're it like, is. Yeah, there <laughs> it is. You, you know, in a sequence though, you know, let's say he took five reps, just spitballing here. And one of the reps was the back shoulder fade. Then a couple plays later, you talk about work in the middle of the field. He threw a rope to Braxton Berrios, who was cutting over the middle of the field and it hit him right between the numbers in stride. And you're like, oh, well, there's the power. There was the touch. We still haven't seen him like uncork one down the field really far, but I'm sure that will you know come with time. The other thing that I was impressed with, and you know we kind of said something to each other on the field, was he, he got somebody on a, on a cadence call where he got a defender to jump. And to me, you know, when Robert Sala talked about coaching, how there's 101, 201, 301, it seems like Zach Wilson when he got the defender to jump. That was more of a 201, 301 move as opposed to a 101 move. Yeah, you got to give him credit. You got to give Michael Fleur credit. Uh, Greg Knapp is constantly in his ear. He just has a way about him that you like, Zach Wilson. He's got this confidence, but people talk about him being cocky. I don't know if he's cocky. He's got a belief in his ability, but man, he's got an insatiable appetite for football. Yeah. Yeah. They they say that he can't get enough, and he's taking advantage of all these voluntary sessions right now. And, um, yeah, so far, early results have been good. We got a long way to go before you get to September. A lot of moving parts on both sides of the ball. You mentioned more than 80 players being here. Well, a couple key offensive performers we didn't see on the field the other day. And you know he'll have to establish mm-hmm. that chemistry and rhythm with those guys. But, uh he likes the offense, too. And you talk to people, and he said that on draft night, that this is the place I wanted to be. And he talks about it being complimentary, that you can run multiple things from one look. So we'll come out in this look, and we're going to attack you this way on this down. Then we're going to come at you with the same look, and we're going to attack you a different way the next play. And he loves it. I also think that it's important defensively speaking, unrelated to Zach Wilson, it's hard to really get a feel because so much of the defense is predicated on contact and you can't really contact anybody right now. So 
it's a it's a good way to get a look at certain players, but most, at least for me, the way I look at it, at it is it's a lot easier to see how certain offensive players look than defensive players because it's not like the defensive line is going after the offensive line. The linebackers can't tackle the running back, so now you're really relying on seven-on-seven work, and at this point, you know, I would imagine that the defense overall would have the the upper hand just like every spring and summer, but it definitely feels like in seven-on-seven, the offense gets the best out of the defense most of the time. And I, with that being said, I just want to say Keelan Cole look, also looked pretty good today. Fast, quick. Uh, he releases um, on a dime out of his breaks, right? A very productive receiver in Jacksonville. He's the guy who's flashed early because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we haven't seen a, a couple of guys out there. But, again, uh, that speaks to Zach Wilson as well because he's finding Keelan Cole but 88 in a limited time that we've been out there been working the middle of the field catching it and he's quick but he's got the straight ahead speed too yeah so it's been it's been fun to watch practice because it this is the one time or not the one time but this is the beginning of the time of the year where you can start to go out to practice a couple times and then mini camp you get a little three-day stretch before training camp then we're out there like every day and you know it's hard because I feel like fans are starving to know what's happening at practice but it's also difficult to analyze what's going on just because it's not full speed 100% with pads on and you don't want to blow things out of proportion right like for example Michael Carter had a good run today and it's a no contact run where the offensive line started cheering because Carter hit the hole and there was a hole and he it, he he had a nice run, but it's also tough because it wasn't there was no contact, so it's hard to really get a, a full gauge. So if you're a fan and you're listening, like, well, how's player X performing? If we say like this guy is performing well or not well or whatever, you always got to take it with a grain of salt. There was a player a couple of years ago had a great spring that ended up being cut that after training camp because when the pads come on, it's a totally, totally different story. Well, and didn't Salah say this the other day that this is the opportunity for players to see how their physical skill set fits inside the systems the Jets are running and the real football doesn't happen until you actually do right. put those pads on. And that doesn't come until late July. Right now, for these guys, it's absorbing the system and then also seeing how they can carve out a role in the respective systems. Yeah, it's it's a great point because to use Salah's line, training camp is when it becomes real. Mm-hmm. Like up until that point, it's it's not that it's fake. It's just it's more about applying what you learn in the virtual classroom onto the field day by day, piece by piece, before trying to put it all together and really start to lay the foundation in training camp or build on the foundation that's being laid now in training camp. Yeah, and I think some of the key questions right now, if you're sitting here in the middle of OTAs, would be what are the Jets doing on the quarterback front? Are they going to sit tight here with the young guys? You know, Zach Wilson, we'll have to see. They're taking it a day by day will he be the opening day starter in Carolina even if he is the opening day starter will there be a veteran on the horizon right now I think the Jets are taking the proper approach because you get a guy like James Morgan who was drafted in the fourth round a year ago he's getting valuable reps if you had a veteran here right now 
I don't know how those reps would be distributed right. it, it, distributed in the spring. Yeah, I think, well, to that point, Salah kind of talked about that exact scenario with the, with corners, the cornerbacks yes. because he was asked, how, how do you view or how do you like the corners room? And he was saying, well, they're young. They got length. They got size. They're eager to learn. And so he's saying all these things. And, and he was asked point blank, you know, would you consider – or actually, before he was even asked this, Salah said the easy answer – would be to bring in a veteran, but a veteran would eat up a lot of the reps, and they're trying to evaluate these young guys to see where they stand. And right now, the Jets' cornerback room, I would say, is the most NFL unproven among the team. If not, if it is not the number one position on the team that doesn't have the most, you know, I would say the biggest resume as a group in the NFL on the Jets, then I would say they're in the top two or three at the very latest. No, and that's a fair point. And again, you're taking advantage of these OTAs out here. You're Bless Austin. You're Bryce Hall. You're Javelin Gidry. You are the three rookie corners who were taken on day three of the draft. Again, this is the time, especially for those young guys, those rookies, is that not only are they trying to carve a role on the defensive side of the football, but what can they do for Brant Boyer and company? How are they absorbing his system? How can they contribute on special teams? Because I think sometimes we think about these guys in a vacuum that, oh, what is this guy going to do at the cornerback position? Well, what is he going to do on special teams? Justin Hardy's a guy who carved his role in the National Football League because he's a special teams ace. Yes, he lines up with the cornerbacks. Yeah. But we don't know if he's going to be playing any cornerback at all this year. Um, you know, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but Hardy is a perfect example of a guy who is an NFL mainstay now, and he's going to play a big-time role on this team because of what he does on teams. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to – I'm about to say a name, and people, and people will be like, well, how could you compare Justin Hardy to this guy? I'm just using the example of a player that carved his special team's role to a point where he doesn't even play on either offense or defense – and it's in the division. It's Matthew Slater, hmm. who's probably, what, the best special teams player of the last decade. And he's technically a receiver, yep. but he doesn't ever line up out wide. And it's not like the Patriots this past year were so deep at receiver that they didn't need him. So I'm saying, like, similarly, Justin Hardy is listed on the roster as a cornerback, but he is so good at special teams that that's his full-time position. Yeah, uh, you know, so a cornerback, and we started this conversation and we're jumping around a little bit, but rightfully so, is that, okay, so right now you have three quarterbacks on the roster who've never taken a snap in the National Football League. You know, Zach Wilson getting out there, getting a big-time chunk of reps. Then at the cornerback position, there are some unproven commodities, but guys, the Jets like their talent and physical skill sets. So how can they absorb the system? Um, how can they possibly create a role for themselves down the line? And then at the linebacker position, totally different situation where you do have a pair of young guys on the outside, but C.J. Mosley was the talk of OTAs in week one just because he talked to the media for the first time in a long time. He and seemed it, really happy. And it was clear, listening to Mosley, that the fire still burns. And I love the reference that he used uh, the you know, Steph, Curry, Steph Curry borrow that, uh, you know, uh, I don't have anything to prove, but I believe I have a lot to accomplish. Don't you think that he seemed 
a lot happier. I know CJ Mosley has probably spoken to the media like five to ten times since he signed two years ago. But CJ Mosley speaking to the media just seemed like he was he was very happy to be. He was back. in a comfortable place. There's no doubt about it. So it, you just got a sense that this guy is so happy to be back on the football field. And Salah has been effusive in his praise for him, saying that C.J. Mosley can play in any system because I know a lot of people say, said, hey, what can he fit in a 4-3? Well, Salah said he can fit in anything, and you can see him being a powerful mover, and I think he's such an instinctive football player. And him and Jared Davis are two guys not – that we're just going to watch during the spring, but I'm going to keep my eye on that linebacker position throughout training camp. Right. I, I agree because that position, especially those two guys that you said, really when you look at the whole position as well, you could, it's really like a, a two-sided coin because on one end, C.J. Mosley essentially hasn't played football in two seasons, but at his best, he is a very good player and one of the best inside linebackers in the league. Jared Davis has the physical traits to fit this system that Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich are implementing. But at the same time, a lot of people think he didn't quite live up to the hype in Detroit. And some people attribute that to being in a three, four defense. Well, I guess we'll see because they will be in the four, three. So those two guys in particular, along with Blake Cashman, who struggled to stay healthy throughout one season in his two year career and two rookies and, Jamie and Sherwood and Hobbs and Nasraldine. I mean, that that position group has, I would say, one of the bigger question marks around it. But in the same breath, it could also be one of the highest upside positions, depending on how, let's say, Mosley and Davis play. Yeah. If you have C.J. Mosley healthy for 16 games, the Jets really like what Jared Davis brings to the table from an athletic, uh, athleticism perspective. Remember, his second year in the National Football League, he was a stat stuffer. And he's a guy who can come up and play the run. He has the athleticism to drop into coverage. He's been an effective blitzer at various points throughout his career. And sometimes a change of scenery leads to different results for players. And, and Davis is a guy who I think can benefit not only just from playing under Salah and Albrecht and next to a C.J. Mosley, but also from the chaos that Salah wants to create up front because the Jets' defensive line is one of the better, if not the best positional group on this team. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens because we've gotten a glimpse of C.J. Mosley, and it was what? You know, two almost two quarters, but it was a really good glimpse of what he could bring to the team because that was, in his words, one of, if not the best football game he's played in the NFL. I mean, he was everywhere. And you talk about his pass coverage. I feel like a lot of people, when he signed here, were saying, well, you know, his pass coverage is one of the question marks of his games. And he was running stride for stride with John Smokey Brown when he got hurt. And John Brown is a speedster in the eyes of many. Well, another thing is that he knows how offenses are trying to attack you. That's the thing about Mosley, such a heady ball player. So he oftentimes is going to read your route before you start making your own moves. He can pick up things, tendencies, just from film work. And uh, he's also very long. That's going to help him in coverage as well. So the shakedown defensively, yeah, those are going to be two groups that we're going to keep a close eye on, I think, throughout camp will be 
cornerbacks, and then linebackers. Offensively, it's been interesting to watch the running backs um, here early on because Tevin Coleman, this is just spring, and he's a veteran, but he's got some pop to his game. And another guy who's got some legit explosive ability is the running back from North Carolina, Michael Carter. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Well, like I said earlier, Michael Carter, it might have been a no-contact run, but he really hit that hole hard. Yeah. And Michael Floor, speaking to the media the other day, was saying that was saying that basically one of the key elements in running backs that he looks for is plant your foot in the ground and go north and south. Not a whole lot of dancing. And I feel like we knew that when Mike LaFleur first signed on to be the offensive coordinator. But at the same time, Mike LaFleur also said, while that's a key element and maybe like the common denominator of everybody, all the running backs come in different shapes and sizes. And I think the Jets have a little bit of everything in the running backs room right now. In terms of Tevin Coleman, like you said, it is the spring and he knows this system better than anyone else in that room. But he's really light on his feet and it seems like he gets around very quickly and he almost just kind of glides on the field. Whereas someone like, well, Michael Pirine feels like he's got a little bit of more of like a a heavy footed run. Like it, both good running backs and Michael Pirine can plant his foot and go, but it just feels a little bit different. It feels a little more physical of a runner than Coleman. Yeah, and, and these are good problems to have because I know oftentimes we think in terms of running backs and say, "Wow, you got so many." Well, this system has favored using multiple backs, mm -hmm. so if they have multiple good options out of the backfield that's going to help along the way and where could the jets potentially be most improved in 2021 could it be the offensive line because i'm jumping around we talk about the running backs a little bit we started talking about wilson this is like but, almost like a therapy session yeah, podcast well, well makai becton left tackle if you put elijah vera tucker, uh, tucker at left guard Connor McGovern, I think, is going to be a good fit for the system. We talked about that multiple times. You got George Fant over there at right tackle. Who's going to be in the lead at right guard? Alex Lewis, Greg Van Roten here. Dan Feeney. You, you have, that's the point that I wanted to address, is that you have six or seven guys now who have NFL starting experience, and you moved up to get Elijah Barrett Tucker in the first round, so back-to-back -back offensive linemen in the first round. So, I want to see what strides the Jets' offensive line can take this year. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's a great point. And you know, I think that we should wrap up the podcast by talking about a little bit about special teams. All right. Right. I feel like we've jumped around here and there. And on special teams, one punt return, it's been Braxton Berrios the past two years for the Jets. He's taken punts. So is Keelan Cole, who had a punt return touchdown for the Jags last season. Elijah Moore returning yeah. some punts. Yep. Uh, but really, the, the eyes, for me, are on kicker because that's where you have a plethora of players. The Jets have two, Sam Ficken, Chris Nagar, and they're going head-to-head -head right now. And I know that it's OTAs and the pads aren't on yet, but their competition has started. And today, when we were on the field, was the first time that I've seen where players – would go real close to the snap, like players on the sideline would walk up towards Thomas Hennessy, Braden, or really Braden Mann, and whoever was kicking, and started to create a little noise to try to simulate what 
would be a game-like situation. Yeah, it was cool to see. I mean, bottom line, football is all about competition, and I think uh, that's the culture that Sala has brought here is that these guys are going to be invested in the players from the coaching staff, and in terms, in turn, Sala and company are going to expect investments from the players, and that's when uh, something special can happen. But there's been a good vibe at practice, I think. The tempo has been good. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those are the things you'll look for. I know it sounds minor, but this is a new staff. So how is everybody – sometimes people come in and guys can be swimming early and it feels like uh, the classroom on the field. No, actually, for these guys so far in their salon company, and this is one thing that he's talked about from day one, is he wants the guys to play fast. He wants to take a lot off of their plates. So – that's the thing, the vibe that I think we're getting from practices. The pace has been good. Also, the competition has been good. And it's just a start. Voluntary workouts, what you wanted to see, what you were hopeful about were, was participation. And you're getting very good participation right now. And you're laying your systems out and your installations, and then you're going to do it again, training camp. And before you know it, this – the first of three preseason games will be played. I mean, th- this is happening quick. The offseason is done in two weeks. And then the next yep. time you're back here at One Jets Drive, it's on. It's training camp. And with that being said, before the players and coaches leave for you know about six weeks, when we do our final podcast after minicamp, before we take a little hiatus on the official pod, and we have actually a fun project coming to the podcast world on the official pod, and yep. we'll – We'll share details when appropriate, but with that being said, you know what we'll do before minicamp ends or officially ends or right after it ends, we'll hop on the mics and we'll kind of break it down. I think you know whether it's position by position or you know certain superlatives and stuff like that, and then we'll kind of give a, a wrap up of minicamp before we come back with a training camp preview and really dive into it before and before we know it. To your point, fans are going to be back at MetLife, and it's you know. That, that's cool. Yeah, it, it's been a long time since we've heard a cheer, even out here yeah. in training camp. Listen, and let's be honest, Jets have a lot of question marks, but the talent is better on this football team. You can see it. It's clear. You saw it on paper. Now you see it on the field. Now how is it all going to translate? We'll have to see, but you're right. You know, for everything people on third in 2020, you know, for Jets fans, it's going to be great seeing them back at MetLife Stadium. I can't wait for the home opener against the Patriots. We've got a ways to go uh, before that happens. Obviously, the preseason game against uh, Philadelphia will end the the summer slate. But, you know, I, I think there's going to be some good things in store for fans over the course of a training camp that weren't there last year. Absolutely. And that is the perfect way to end this episode of the official Jets podcast. Podcast.